Thanks for listening to the Best of Coast to Coast podcast. Become a Coast Insider to hear the rest of this fascinating conversation. And check out recent shows where we learned about scientific efforts to revive the woolly mammoth, the latest in military drone technology, and the mysterious Shroud of Turin. And you can listen to those programs and many more amazing Coast shows by heading over to coasttocoastam.com and signing up for Coast Insider. Now, here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Now, when you have done some of your work into some of these ancient civilizations, uh, Zechariah Sitchin, you're familiar with his work, right? Absolutely. Uh, Talked a lot about the Sumerians and the Anunnaki. How far back do you go? Well, there's, that's a difficult um, place to stop, because as you start going back, you go further and further and further, and then you start saying, well, geez, I'm, <laughs> Just I'm, keeps I'm going. outside the mainstream, right? Um, so I tried to, I, I capped our, our discussion tonight. It's going to be really including, including around the whole 12,000-year period. Um, I'm going to extend just to briefly talk about Atlantis, which, which existed before, okay. before that, but we're going we're gonna to try to keep it around what I consider um, just around the post- and pre-diluvial time period, which is, of course, this great, great catastrophes and this great flood that happened we're going to talk about. Are you going to speculate on where you think Atlantis was located? Oh, absolutely. We're, we, can, we, can, we can go all into that. I, I love, this is kind of where I live. So, yeah, let's, let's go right into it. Okay, let, let, let's do that. Give me your thoughts on Atlantis. And, uh, you know, Plato, of course, was the reason why we all started investigating this, but... You know, there's been some debate over where Atlantis might be. Some say it's, you know, near Greece. Others say, no, not at all. It's in, uh, Edgar Casey said it was in Bimini. Um, who knows where it is? Now, they said Atlantis. To me, that sounds like Atlantic Ocean. What's your take? That's right, and, that, and that's a clue to where it was. I think part of the problem with determining where exactly it was is that perhaps the place that it existed in is no longer where it used to be because we had these shifts. We had these potential catastrophes that occurred and shifts in both our, potentially even the pole of the earth, which had these impacts on some of the land masses. And I think strong evidence really shows that places like Atlantis, the, the small subcontinent that it existed on, if you look at the works of Plato talking about how it existed west of the Pillars of Hercules, and then today, if you can clearly see that that's the Straits of Gibraltar. And so that gives, us some, that gives us some clues right there. And yet, isn't it amazing that today, much of, you know, Plato is considered one of the greatest philosophers of all time, and yet in, his, in the Timaeus and Critias, he wrote extensively about Atlantis. But like all these things we're about to talk about, we've been perhaps pushed into believing that they're myths rather than accepting that they, they could have existed from one of the most renowned philosophers we had. And what Plato said is, Atlantis existed 9,000 years before him. And he, of course, was a, a, a heavy study of ancient Egyptian knowledge. And, and one of the things we're going to go over is looking at how that time period he gives for Atlantis being 9,000 years before him lines up exactly with and he says disappearing 9,000 years before him lines up exactly with what we're about to go over for how there were advanced civilizations in the past that were essentially wiped out and destroyed, and that's, and that's how we have a reset button on, on all this information. And that's why we don't really understand why so many of these sophisticated things could have been built and how we couldn't even necessarily do them today. Matthew, uh... Did you think Atlantis possessed incredible technology? 
I do. I think Atlantis was a civilization that, that ended up preceding the, the Lemurian civilization, which, of course, was in the Pacific Ocean, I think, connecting a lot of the Pacific Islands and all the way up to, to the Hawaiian area. And I think, like Atlantis, it was also destroyed, possibly before Atlantis. And then I, So I think Atlantis was the last great civilization that occurred on this planet in terms of advanced technology like we think of almost today. But I think it was on a completely different scale. Don't think, don't think futuristic with you know, cars flying around. It, it was nothing like that. But think of technology being utilized where it was on a much different level than we have today in terms of tapping into you know, the energy of, of the Earth. Talking about you know, Nikola Tesla's work where he figured out that there's this whole side of, of our planet and energy and th- that these ancients would, would understand and use for both for both um, pertaining, uh, protecting knowledge and, uh, and, and reaching their highest state. And that's one of the reasons why, to this day, if you look at where all the, most of the ancient pyramids in these, in these structures all over the world, they're built on these exact precise locations on what are called ley lines on the Earth, these energy centers on the Earth. So Atlantis and the civilization of Atlantis, they knew all about that. But one of the problems was, they started to get into some of the more dark sides of this technology. And along with the Earth changes, the, what Plato and others have talked about is Atlantis was completely destroyed. There was nothing left that, that, that survived. Did they even have a notice? Did they, did they have time to prepare? They did. Um, a lot of these, these civilizations were so advanced, and the knowledge they had was so sophisticated, they actually knew that this was going to happen. And so... One of the amazing things to connect that we're going to do tonight is when you look at the age of, like, say, the Pyramid of Giza, and when, and when the, these, you know, these air shafts that align with Orion and Sirius, mm-hmm. when you look at when that last occurred due to the processional wobble of the Earth, and you look at the date of 10,500 years ago, when, which is where computer models can line up that that occurred, and you think about how the people of Atlantis are supposedly left Atlantis before the cataclysm, and, they, and, and Thoth, one of the great gods of Egypt, he says that he first went to Egypt, and they call, he called it out Chem. He called it the land, the land of Chem. And, when the, and that's when he says in the Emerald Tablets, he, he built the pyramids of Egypt, which is amazing because if, if you, again, look at those star constellations, when they lined up to those stars, it's 10,500 years ago, which would be exactly right after Atlantis was destroyed, going along with these emerald tablets. So you, basically, if you take the ancient stories of the past, and you look at them objectively, and you compare them to what we're going to go over with ice core samples and a lot of this, and this information that proves when these events occurred, you can, you can put it all into a timeline, and you can start to accurately show the real ages of some of these places. How accurate do you think the Bible is with these timelines? I think the dates in the Bible are all pretty much wrong. <laughs> I think we need to look at some, you know, there are a lot of important things to understand the Bible. The Bible, from all the evidence that I've seen, is based on all of these ancient Sumerian and Babylonian writings that were then rewritten and turned into slightly different forms of what they used to be. And we're going to go over, of course, the most important one of all, which is the story of Noah, yes. which has been turned into a complete joke. And we're, and we're going to understand that, so if we look at a lot of these things that are in the Bible, 
we understand that they're just based on much earlier stories. Well, I've got a, I've got a difficult time uh, understanding the Noah story, Matthew, where they talk about he brought, you know, um, the species of animals on his ark. I just don't. There's too many animals to do this. And well, yeah, we're going to go into this later, but I can, I, can, I can touch on this right now. That's one of the ways that the Bible has misled us, so that because if people read these stories and they were in their pure forms of what they used to be, people would all of a sudden be like, wait, is this real? Are these actually historical events? Or are they these, you know, these religious stories that kind of teach us morals about the earth and, and about our, our sins and what we've done against it? Well, the Bible version, of course, confuses that Noah story like crazy because it starts talking about, it brings in all these misconstrued information about how there's one, anim, one of two of every animal on the earth that Noah led in, all these things, where if we're about to go into cuneiform tablets, the Audra, I'll call the Audrahasis and Epic of, Epic of Gilgamesh, which doesn't say anything about that. It simply says, it simply says that, that Audrahasis, which was the name of Noah, that he had to take his family and, and some of his livestock to survive the flood, save as many living things as he could. But they took that and they turned it around to try to give us, you know, silly little idea that there's, you know, millions of species of, of, of different things on his boat, which is just ridiculous. It's, it's crazy. Now, how could they even try to concoct the story, though? Well, if we... I mean, that's, something... That's a hard thing to answer, because... So if we look back at, well, where did this all start? At what point did these did the modern Bible, you know, when did Christianity and when, when did all this begin? Begin where they took these writings and then rewrote them. And one of the things that I talk about in my um, the Battle of the Eagle and the Serpent is that if you go back to the Roman times, when the Roman Empire, the, the Byzantine Eagle, was collapsing, you find that it completely changed over to becoming the head of the Christian Church, basically because you can trace it back to the Byzantine Empire, which is where the rise of it began, which is simply Turkey. And, and that's where these stories were essentially rewritten and turned into fairy tales, so that people, people could worship the stories and, and the beings in there, but not actually connect that they were real events. So the, the, the story itself, something happened, right? There was some kind of flood caused by something. Would you agree? There was, and I'm going to actually do a short reading of the Atrahasis, which I don't know if ever, has ever been done before. I was just going. I'm going to. I picked out um, a couple paragraphs. I just want to go over because one of the problems with these ancient writings, you know, I'm, I'm you know, I'm not. I, I know. I know how it is. They're they're long. You know, some of these tablets are. They're very very long to read, and they're written in such a way where they they don't they don't write like we do now, and they write in a, a very poetic, very. Um, they're, they're like parables. Yeah, and so we, it's, hard, it's difficult to understand and, and separate, well, are they really are they being symbolic, or are they actually talking about truth, and they being, and they being real? So I'm, I broke out some of the more important areas that we can, we can go over to prove that this, this great deluge and, this, and this, these great catastrophes actually really occurred, and that the figure of Noah... Whose, whose real name was Atrahasis or Zayas Sudra, and he had many names, that he's, he's actually real. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.